So if you can't tell, uh, we are serious about this. If you can't tell, we're not playing. Uh, we believe the Word of God is alive and active. It's the only book that is alive. It's the only book that you can read one day and it can just speak right to your soul. And then read the next day. It's the same scripture and it speaks something new to your soul. It's the only book that is actually alive and working in your life to transform your life. And so we want to study the Bible and study it deep. We want to study the Bible and study it deep. We believe that if we can teach you how to have a relationship with the scriptures... Not if we can teach you how to do it every day out of duty or anything else, but teach you how to have a relationship. Relationships are messy. They're hard. Sometimes they're great and full of joy, but you show up to that relationship. If we can teach you how to have a relationship with the scriptures, we can teach you how to have a relationship with God. And to us, there is nothing more important. It seems like this, this, these next generations want a powerful vision for their life. That's the thing. That's the thing I keep on hearing preachers say, you want a powerful vision for your life? And I, I'm like, I don't really know what that means, but yes, I want that. You know how you get that? Have a, deep, have a vision for a deep relationship with God. And then his powerful vision become yours. That's how you get a powerful vision for your life. Okay, so we're in Mark 1.9 today. Mark 1.9, we tell you to bring your utensils. If you're new, we tell you to bring your utensils, your paper Bible, your pen, your notebook. Uh, we tell you this is much more like a cooking class than it is like uh, a lecture. Meaning in a cooking class, you get your hands dirty, you eat it yourself, right? You, 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 you create it yourself, and then you have ownership over that meal. That's what a cooking class is. We like that when we open the scriptures together. We own it, we participate. There's a high level of participation and ownership on Sunday mornings and in missional communities. And so bring your utensils next time. Mark 1-9, Mark 1-9. Big number one, little number nine. We're gonna get through three verses today. Yep. This will get us out of Mark somewhere around 2025. All right, I think Elon Musk is going to be living on Mars by the time we get out of Mark, just so you know. Maybe the government will actually be operating and not on shutdown by that time. Just low blow to the government in the church on Sunday. All right, verse 9. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth. I'm highlighting these for a reason. Of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit, so we have Jesus and the Spirit, descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son of, if he's calling Jesus son, what does that make him? Makes him father, right? With you I am well pleased. Today's an amazing day, because we not only get to study the, the baptism of Jesus, the why did Jesus get baptized? Have you ever thought of that? Why would Jesus need to get baptized? Did he sin? Does Jesus need to repent and be baptized? You ever think about these things? Not only do we get to study the why Jesus got baptized, but also we get to study what's called a Trinitarian passage. Meaning that God exists as a trinity throughout the whole Bible, right? But there are certain passages that point out, hey, each member is here and here's what they're doing. So it's kind of like a roll call and then explains the role of that trinity member. Do you know what I'm saying? It's a roll call, like present... Father's here, son's here. There's only a few passages that do this, so, so we get the, re the real privilege of, of kind of breaking this down today. Now, I know what the hard questions in the room are saying. I know what your heart may be asking, even if you wouldn't say it out loud. How does God exist as a trinity? How does God exist as three persons in one person? These are questions that we have. Even if you ask someone who doesn't love our God, and we tell them, hey, we're monotheistic. They'll be like, not only are you bad at math, but you're polytheistic. You got three gods. 
You have the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So what do you, what do you mean you're monotheistic? What do you mean there's one God? And for years I've heard pastors and, and teachers and they just, they just throw out these illustrations. You ever hear them? God is an egg. He's a shell and he's the white and he's the yolk. And his yolk is easy. Look, first of all, that's not even talking about that kind of yolk, by the way. We're just making stuff up at this point. Plus, it's just a flimsy example of the Trinity, isn't it? Like, it comes out the back end of an animal, first of all. Uh, you can break it up into three different pieces, and you can use these things separately. And plus, I don't know about you, but every single time I break and open an egg, I get a little shell shrapnel. It just bothers me. So to me, this is a very imperfect illustration. It leads to an imperfect God, and that's not who our God is. Three clovers. He's a three-leaf clover. Same stem, three leaves, right? Again, flimsy. You can break these things apart. This is a, this is a flimby, flimsy example. There's water, three states, vapor, solid, gas. I think that's, uh, I think I just screwed that up. But I don't even care. I'm not, I'm not in science class. I don't really know. All right, liquid, vapor, and solid. Okay, that was close, all right? Uh, and, and maybe I'm touching on some nerves. Maybe you grew up with these illustrations. I hope, I hope not to just offend you. Uh, there's a, a tree, there's a trunk, some branches, and some leaves. There's fire, uh, fuel, heat, oxygen. Um, there, there's a triangle, which I think is the closest one. Like, as a triangle, it's three sides, and it's indivisible, right? It's, it's the strongest shape. It's not perfect, but it's the closest illustration. The nature of light, a three-quarter strength. Like, I've heard all of these. And all of these are imperfect, aren't they? All of them are trying to put God into this, this box that we understand better. Have you ever tried to explain what something's like when that something is one of a kind? Or have you ever tried to explain something away from its paradox, even though it was always meant to be paradoxical? Doesn't make sense, but we try to do it, right? We just, let, me just, let me just give it a picture, let me give it a story, something I can put my mind around. And, and, and what we're doing is we're trying to place God in these confines, and what if instead of trying to place God in these confines, we celebrated that our God cannot be confined? And not only that he can't be confined, but he creates us with these similarities. With these, he creates us in, in, in this image. And, and, so, and so we get to be the, these people that cannot be confined. We cannot be put in this box that everybody wants to put us in. Like what if instead of trying to illustrate God, we let him illustrate the way we live? We let him teach us how to be Trinity people. See, I think, I think our lives would change if we were Trinity people. If we operated and accessed all of the Trinity, I think our lives would change. And I don't think we live as Trinity people. I think we try to put God in, in, in something that we understand a little bit better and something that is kind of a, a minimalist view. So let's take Genesis 1.26. God creates us, and, and let me show you what we do with this, with this passage. Genesis 1.26 goes like this. Then God said, let us, us showing we're all here, Trinity, Make man in our image, right, plural, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now, the best I've heard us do with this is we go, so wait, we look like God? This is the most powerful thing we take from this scripture. God looks like us? Because we're trying to picture what God looks like. Well, Genesis 1.26 says... We're created in his image, so maybe we look like him. This is the most powerful thing we take from this scripture. Even though what God is really saying is you are Trinity people. I'm not saying body, soul, and spirit. You're, 
you're like a trinity. I'm, I'm saying you have trinity characteristics. You have the power of God. You have the authority of the Father. You're filled with the Spirit. You, you have the image of the Son. You look like the Son. You can be like the Son. You have the Son's example. God is saying that we are trinity people. And yet we look at this and go, oh, we kind of look like God. That's kind of cool. No, 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 no. Even here, Moses, the probable author, says you have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds, over everything. God gives us dominion. God is giving us power. He's giving us authority. And yet we're trying to put God in this small box. What I'm trying to do today is open up a can of God worms for you. Like open up a new can of God worms. Like what if I saw God this way? What if I didn't sell God short and therefore didn't sell myself short? What if I saw God for all he was instead of trying to put him in a box I understand a little bit better? Let's go back to the baptism. We're going to go verse by verse to the baptism, and we're going to try to see ourselves as Trinity people. Uh, we'll start with Jesus and go from there. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John of Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. Okay? So, so Jesus is the Son, right? And Jesus' main job is to be the flesh of God's character, his mind and his heart. Like, like, yeah, Jesus comes, he serves us, he lives for us, he dies for us, he resurrects. But one of his main jobs is to just put flesh on the heart and mind and character of God. Like, what is God thinking? Who would God be if God was humanity? Well, here he is. Here's Jesus. And then the Spirit descends. Now, the Spirit descending does not mean that Jesus was not filled with the Spirit. You understand God is just giving us a teaching moment. God is saying, look, God exists as a trinity. This is a teaching moment. This is, this is how God is. This is what God's uh, makeup looks like. So the Spirit is going to fill Jesus. And it's going to be so powerful, Jesus is going to raise people from the dead. Kind of cool. Jesus is going to multiply food. Jesus is going to cast demons back to hell. At one point, he casts demons into pigs. And the pigs are like, can we drown ourselves? Jesus is like, go ahead. Like, the Spirit is powerful on Jesus. And then the Father comes in. And the Father is like, I'm going to oversee all this. I'm the authority over all this, and I'm going to encourage. Now, let me ask you this question. Does the Spirit have authority? Does Jesus have authority? Does the Spirit encourage, like the Father? Does Jesus encourage? See, this is the problem with all these illustrations. We rip God apart. We parcel him off. When he never meant to be seen as operating separately. Like, I saw this video once of how white people eat chicken and how Filipino people eat chicken. Ryan appreciated this. My wife really appreciated this. Um, my wife's Filipino, if you don't know. So, so, white people, they just kind of eat a little bit of it, right? And then they just leave these parts, and they're like, I don't really like that part. Right? That's, what white people, that's what I do. I'm not going to But Filipino people, they, they don't. I've seen my, my uncle eat my, into the bone. Into the bone. They're not wasting food. For me, this is how we, we separate out the Trinity. We, we divide out the Trinity into the pieces that we want or don't want, like white people with chicken. And, and, and Filipino people are like, no, I'm embracing all of it. Well, what I'm saying is if, if we find a way to embrace all of the Trinity and be Trinity people, I think it will be life transforming for all of us. If you saw yourself as a Trinity person when you prayed, how would you pray? You pray... To the Father, in the name of the Son, filled with the Spirit. 
What if? You think your prayer life would change? If every single time you went to pray, you prayed to the Father in the name of the Son, and you, you knew that you were filled with the Holy Spirit. What if when you served, you served with the example of Jesus because he showed you how to serve, the Son of God, the Son of Man came not, not, to, not to be served, but to serve. What if you serve with the example of Jesus, the authority of the Father, and the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, all, all of it. What if? You'd be running around like Mother Teresa. You'd be changing the game. What if you served like a Trinity person? What if you read the scriptures like a Trinity person? The Spirit illuminated the scriptures because the Spirit wrote it, so you get to sit down with the author. The Father has authority over it all and speaks authority through it. And Jesus is the example and Jesus is the Son throughout the scriptures that you read. And you pay really close attention to the red letters, which is Jesus. What if you saw your identity as a Trinity person? I think we stop being so insecure. Because if your identity was that of someone who is a Trinity person, you would have a loving father, you would be a beloved son or beloved daughter, you would have a Jesus who dies for you, and a spirit who decides to be present with you all the time. For me, your identity is settled right there. You're not, you're not looking all over the place. So, someone please provide me value. Someone, so, some job please provide me value. So, some, some Facebook post, post please provide me value. Give, give me joy, give me excitement, tell me who I am. No, your value is settled right there. You are a beloved son with a father who loves you, a Jesus who died for you, a Jesus who resurrected for you, and a spirit who wants to be around you all the time, who wants to be present in you all the time. What if we were Trinity people? We talked last week about what happens when we kind of isolate portions of the Trinity, members of the Trinity. So we talked about how most people lean on one side of the spectrum or not. And I'm going to call it like, like most people isolate the Holy Spirit and make the Holy Spirit an asterisk. I'm going to try to say that like 15 times today. It's a, I'm going to screw it up, okay? Just let's lay it out right here. An asterisk or a peacock. That's what we make Holy Spirit. An asterisk, and you know that asterisk, right? Like one time my buddy won a fantasy football league, uh, and we just put an asterisk, asterisk next to his name. Like he was the winner, but... <laughs> You cheated a little bit. And so we put, it really bothered him. We just put it out there on Facebook. Like, he won with a little asterisk, right? It, it's, it's, that, it's that condescending note in the writing that says, yeah, but. That's what we do in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the Trinity is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But again, like we said last week, we, we tend to make that Father, Son, Holy Bible. Because the Holy Spirit is, he's there. But we like to leave him out because he's a little weird. I don't want to be that weird Christian that goes to that weird church. My mom said they were a cult. I don't want to be like that. Some of you laughing because your mom literally said that. You're like, that's it. Too close to home there, Pastor. I want to go to that weird church where they're doing things and they're raising hands and getting all charismaniac up in there and there's there's flags and speak, people are speaking in tongues and the pastor is prophesying. Like, that's just, that's just, I don't want that portion of God. And so I'm just going to kind of separate the Holy Spirit, dice him up into pieces, dice God up into pieces, and keep Holy Spirit over here at bay where he should be. That's, that's treating Holy Spirit as an asterisk. Really, Holy Spirit is our advocate. He's our counselor. Holy Spirit is the giver of gifts. Like prophecy, like tongues, like the interpretation of tongues. 
These are miraculous things. Holy Spirit gives us words. Speaks apart from the Bible, but never speaks in, in contradiction to the word of God. God speaks to us. And those who don't want the Holy Spirit, they still ask God to tell them where to go and what to do, but they just do it differently. So you ever meet someone who doesn't want anything to do with the Holy Spirit, but they want God to speak to them apart from the Bible? Because the Bible doesn't say, yes, Jimmy, take the job. So we all want God to speak to us, but we don't want the Holy Spirit to be a part of it. So what Jimmy does is he lays out like seven fleeces from like Gideon. I'm going I'm to lay this out over here. And if, and if on the third day of the third month, uh, you, give me, you give me a really good bonus, then I'm taking the job. And then if it doesn't happen, he's like, oh, must have, I must have laid out the wrong fleece. And so let me come over here. God, if, if the Eagles win the Super Bowl, then that, that must mean I'm supposed to move to Philadelphia. And this is what we do. Because we don't like the Holy Spirit. He's an asterisk. We don't, want, we don't want God to speak to us in the way that he wants to speak to us. So he's either an asterisk. I think, thank God I'm on the edge of that word. Uh, or a peacock. You ever meet the peacock guy, peacock gal? They walk into the room and they always announce it. It's like, I'm here. Your welcome party, you can now have it. I'm kind of that guy, so it's kind of him home in all sorts of ways. And uh, that's all right. Jesus loves me. You know, the, the peacock. That's, that's how some movements treat Holy Spirit. Meaning, if you don't if you don't do this, if you don't partake in this, you don't even really know God. If you don't speak in tongues, or you, you've never been slain in the spirit, or you've never gone a little bit off kilter, now you don't really have the Holy Spirit. I, mean, I, I had given my life to Christ a, a decade before a woman, and, and I, was, I felt like I was full, I felt like I was full of spirit, and this woman literally told me, she's like, yeah, you don't really know Holy Spirit. You don't really, you're not really filled with God. This is what we tell people. Because like, if you don't walk in and the Holy Spirit isn't peacocking and showing off and, 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 and speaking in tongues or doing something a little bit radical, then, then he's not really there. Then God's not really there. Then the, the, the powerful presence of God is not really there. I mean, the powerful presence of God can't be subtle. It can't be a whisper. The powerful presence of God can't, can't meet each person exactly where they're at. And so we put Holy Spirit in this box and we say, if he's not peacocking, then he's not Holy Spirit. But here's the thing about Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit spends his time glorifying the Father and the Son. So to isolate him and make him a gift vending machine makes no sense. Because he's spending all his time going, let me, let me tell you everything that Jesus has said and done. That's in the book of John. Let, let me tell you about the Father. Let me make you bold about Jesus. That's what Holy Spirit's doing. I'm going to break my own rule here and, and give you an illustration about the Trinity. Sorry. But it's a characteristic, okay? So, so the Trinity is like walking into a room and it's a beautifully decorated room. I'm not ashamed of it. I, I love a beautifully decorated room. I, I love to organize and hang stuff. I made this table. It's not that great looking, but I, I love to get garbage uh, and, and turn it into something. You're a little bit of a Okay, so I love, I love to do that. Like, this, this is something I like. So, so you walk into this amazingly decorated room. And you're like, wow, who did this? And there are three people in the room. And all three people point at each other. 
That's what Trinity's like. Because they're always glorifying, lifting up each other, and saying, this, this, is, this is God working together. We can't dice God up into pieces if we want to be Trinity people. So today, again, we get the privilege of watching Trinity work together. And what I'm going to say is they all go in one direction. They all go in the same direction together. And for the rest of the message, trust me, it's not that much longer. For the rest of the message, I want you to see one of the core values of God. And then adopt it as one of your core values. So, so let's go back. I'm going to highlight different things. Same scripture, but I'm going to highlight different things. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth. So we're all going in, in the same direction of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit, what? Descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. I don't know if you caught it. I, I, I pray that you caught it. I hope you caught it. I hope you noticed it. But God is going in one direction here. Now, Jesus came from Nazareth. But that's not where Jesus is from, from. Right? You ever meet someone from Jersey City? They're like, can you ask them where they're from? And they're so, they're so tired of all the transients here. They're like, I'm from, from Jersey City. It's like... You're like, well, I'm from, you know, upstate this. And they're like, okay, I'm from, from. Like I was here when it wasn't as good looking as it is now. And they should be proud. Because this, this is an amazing city and they were here through it all. And we're just kind of stopping in as aliens all the time, right? They're like, I'm from, from Jersey City. So there's where you're from. Like I was in Michigan for nine years. You can say that's where I'm from. But I, didn't, I don't talk like a Michigander. I don't know if you know that. I'm from from upstate New York. That's what I talk like, right? There's where you're from, and then there's where you're from from. Jesus is from Nazareth. But that's not where he's from from. Here's, here's where Jesus is from from. Okay? For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So... That, that'll come up there in a second. I've come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of one and seven. So, so Jesus is originally from heaven, right? That's, that's his from, from, that's his hood, which means he really came down. Because if you have the perks of living in heaven, and then you come to live as a lower class citizen of a carpenter's son, like that, that's, that's coming down. And then he's from Nazareth. Nazareth is nowhere. Nobody knows about Nazareth. Nazareth is a fishing village. It's on a trade route. And the only reason you stop there is to go to El Baño. That's it. Otherwise, you're not going to Nazareth. So Jesus is from a humble place, humble beginnings, humble family. And not only that, but he's, he's from, from heaven. And so he really comes down. Then the spirit, uh, Tony, next one. Then the spirit descends on him like a dove. So the spirit descending means the spirit's going which way? Now, and a voice came from heaven. Going down, right? This is the Father. So if, if you haven't caught it, I, I want you to get excited about something. We serve the God of the come down. We serve the God of the come down. And, and, and I'm not just talking about God lowering himself. I'm talking about God being a radical person who comes so low, it's mind-boggling. And it's one of God's core values. And so if it's not one of our core values, 
then we're not paying attention to what it means to be a Trinity person. If you don't know how to lower yourself, you're not paying attention to what it means to be a Trinity person. So let's talk about this for the rest of the time here. Because there is no greater love than someone who lowers themselves for somebody else. Now, we are not higher than anybody else. Jesus was. And he lowered himself to nothing to die on the cross. But God is asking us to do the same thing. Uh, Paul, throughout, throughout, the, throughout the New Testament, talks about this. Uh, this. This is not going to be up there. But Paul says, you should not think of yourself more highly than you ought. What he's saying there is, you need to think of yourself soberly. And soberly, you're a human. So that person next to you is a human. You are not better than them. You do not deserve more than them. Because of the country you came from. Or the fact that you were born here. Uh, or you're a citizen of whatever. That does not make you higher than anybody else. Paul's like, don't, don't think of yourself more highly than Just because God gave you a little bit of favor in the money area. Doesn't mean you're better than anybody else. Lower yourself. God also uh, says things like, consider others more significant than you through Paul. Like, do the work in your brain to consider somebody else more significant than you. And this is so radical. Jesus is so radical. He's going to leave people in the matrix. And I don't mean this like literally, all right, this is not a matrix church. That would get weird real quick. I'll start wearing some tinfoil hats. What I'm saying is, like, people are like, huh? People are like, are you, is Jesus doing this? Like, let's watch Jesus' baptism in Matthew's account. Now, Mark's account of everything, Mark is like, then Jesus got baptized. But every other gospel account actually breaks down what goes down. And so we're going to go to Matthew's account real quick. Then, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Makes sense. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so for now. For thus is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. John is like, you opposed to baptize me. You are God. He might be asking, why are you even getting baptized? Because he's over here preaching, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Does Jesus need to repent? He's never sinned. John's in the matrix. He's like, what is going on? Why are you baptizing me? This makes no sense. He's lost. I want to show you Peter. Peter literally basically just falls off his horse and he just dies right there. He's just like, what is going on? So, so Jesus is going to break down. Uh, Jesus is going to actually wash their feet. It's a very famous passage. Before Jesus dies, he goes to, uh, to, to wash their feet. Uh, this is a famous scene. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Because it's a fair question. It's a slave position. Why would, why would king of kings, lord of lords, get in the slave's position? Do you wash my feet, he says? What I'm doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. <laughs> Simon, Simon, you need to lose it. Lose it. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and head. He's like, should I get the loofah in? Like, should I get the shaving cream out? Should we clip some toenails? Like, I don't know what's going on here, Jesus. But let's just, let's just lean into this while we're at it. If we're doing some real cleansing here, let's just really lean into it. Like, he's lost it. He's in the matrix. Because this radical coming down of the God of the universe, this radical God saying, not only am I the Lord of lords, but I'm looking at my hands and knees in a slave's position, and I'm going to untie your sandals. And I don't know if you were here 
last week, maybe it was a couple weeks ago, but John introduces Jesus as, there's going to be one that comes after me whose sandals I'm not even worthy to untie. Are you guys paying attention? I'm not even worthy to untie. And, and then he gets down on his hands and knees and unties his disciples' feet, his, his disciples' sandals, and he washes their feet. This, this is next level. You can humble yourself. It is possible. It is possible to make it a core value of the way you love people to humble yourself, to make yourself nothing, to make yourself a servant. Some of you guys want a revival in your marriage. I hear you. You know the best way to get a revival in your marriage? Wash the dishes. I'm speaking metaphorically here. Serve somebody. Stop trying to win every single fight. Serve your wife, serve your husband, make yourself nothing, and every single day serve them in a new way, serve them in the same way, just make yourself lower. Lower yourself, it's a core value of Jesus and God, it's, it's a core value of the Trinity, you wanna be Trinity people, it's not all about power, it's all about lowering, lowering yourself to be a servant. If we wanna be a powerful movement, we're going to have people who are willing to do the dishes. Like, just go straight to the dishes. If everybody in here was like, I'm going straight to the dishes. But we, we treat the church like we treat a buffet. I need to work where my giftings are alive. We do. Which is it's true. It's, I mean, you should find a little bit of a niche. But you know what the most powerful church movements are? Everybody's like, what you need to do? Sweet. Do some dishes. Watch some babies. That's what, that's what, that's what I love about our, our, our movement, man. There are people in there watching our babies right now. They're just there to serve. They love kids, sure, but they don't want to give up their Sunday morning to just to watch kids. But they're in there making themselves nothing. People here that show up early, set these curtains up, set everything up. This is, this is, this is what the church is made of. Little Jesus followers who do little who make themselves little. How can you make yourself nothing? How can you humble yourself? I'm gonna give you three practical ways before we get out of here to, uh, to, to lower yourself, to humble yourself, to be just like Trinity, to be just like, the, like, our, like our God, just like our Jesus. Um, I just put three practical ways up here. Uh, hopefully if you're taking notes, I'll give you something to take home. Here's the first one, study the red letters. Study the red letters. The red letters, are, and you may not have this in your Bible, but the red letters are Jesus speaking. And if you spend this next six months or these next three months not only studying the gospel with us, the gospel of Mark, but studying all the gospels, study the red letters, what Jesus says, how Jesus acts, he's the greatest servant of all time. It'll rub off on you. And then we won't start, we won't, we won't treat the church as like, I need to elevate myself in the church. Right? That always freaks me out, by the way. If someone comes to me and they're like, Pastor, I'm going to need the microphone next week. I've been called to preach. I'm like, I didn't get that call. <laughs> My phone might be off, but I didn't, I didn't get it, right? Study the red letters. Jesus shows you exactly how to, how to live as a servant. Number two, serve with us. Serve with us. So your missional communities are, are in the habit of serving about once every six weeks. Uh, now the downtown missional community is serving at Fun Club uh, every, uh, every third Thursday. And so you can join us at Fun Club. Uh, Fun Club is... is uh, people who are, who are immigrants just trying to acclimate to Jersey City. 
and they're trying to learn English. And I'll tell you what, they just need help. They just someone just needs to love these folks. This guy's like, I don't have enough clothes. And my wife doesn't know how to uh, make a, she doesn't have any English, and she doesn't know how to make a doctor's appointment, and we're three months pregnant. I said, I just need somebody, somebody help me make a phone call. That's all these people are asking. Can we, can we make ourselves nothing for, for a couple hours on Thursdays and just go over here and make these people everything? I promise it'll change their lives. And then we can point to Jesus because this is who Jesus is. Number three, identify the pockets of pride. Everybody in here, including myself, has pockets of pride in their life. And they're, they're breeding grounds for pride. False humility, pride, they're breeding grounds. For some of you, it's what you're good at. And God gave you these gifts, and you forgot that the person who receives the gift doesn't really take credit because they received the gift. They didn't give the gift. Right? For some of you, you have a powerful position uh, out there. But instead of serving your people like Jesus, you kind of like the way the authority feels. That's, how, that's why I follow. This feels kind of good. Let me tell some people what to do. That's <laughs> as, as where you go as a human. But God is asking you to, even if you are the CEO of whatever, he's asking you to be a servant. And that's radical. Like what if, what if as the rest of the culture fights for a pedestal, we fight to be just like our God who abandoned the pedestal? How, how, how radical is that? How countercultural is that? So if, if we have everybody on board with this, I, I do believe that we will be a bunch of Jesus followers, a bunch of Trinity people. And we will follow Jesus in a much more radical way. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but came to serve. We thank you that you've given us access to all of the Trinity. Not some of the Trinity, not just pieces. Well, you've given us the access to the Son who's died for us and, and gives us salvation. The Father who has the authority. You give us access to that authority. And the Spirit who lives in us and breathes through us and does powerful, powerful things in us, around us, and amongst us. I pray that you would show us our pockets of pride. And I pray that we would be a people that come down. Come down to knee level. To pray. To serve. To love. To get dirty that you would strip us of all the things that hold us back from it. I love this church. I love that every Sunday I see evidence of this already. It's not like we're starting from scratch here. This church has servants littering, littering, littering every corner of this building. At missional communities, there are people just serving, handing out food, giving their time. Just, it's just, it's all over. And I just pray that you take us to a new level. 